Buenos dias, mi gente. It is August 21st, 2020, and welcome back to another episode of Café con Leche Time with your host, Jacqueline Alvarado y... Jacob Ibarra. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Well, this week was filled with a lot of interesting moments while being centered around one topic. Yeah, it looks like everyone on the left and the center was celebrating Biden. Come on. <laughs> Democratic Party going on. Unless you weren't paying attention, the, Demo- the Democratic National Convention was this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the DNC is this week to basically endorse Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And, you know, for the most part, I had, had good moments. But, you know, each day also had its kind of like head scratcher moments where you're like a little, a little confused, but then at the same time was like, why? Mm-hmm. But, you yeah. know, not everything can always go perfectly and smoothly, but you got to got to work with what you got. Yeah, there's imperfections in politics. It's a big imperfections. Tent. Yeah, there's imperfections in life, but you know you 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 get through that, and you you exactly. So you know every story has a beginning. It's like just like this convention had a beginning this week. It was Monday. So yeah, it was a good kickoff. Yeah, so really, really to talk about this convention, we have to start from the beginning. The first chapter. The story. Actually, the prologue. You know, like the prologue, or like what's that thing called before the introduction? Like the dedic, not the dedication. But you know what I mean. The, the, the author's note. Yeah, the author's note. There we go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's start with the beginning. <laughs> All right, Jackie. So, you 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 saw the convention from Monday to Thursday. Yeah, I saw most of it, per se. I mean. Like I said, I, I, I was more intrigued in the beginning to see. It was a good kickoff. So, yeah, I saw mostly the first three days, I would say. Yesterday was like, no. But. So so let's let's talk about Monday. Let's briefly talk about Monday. Let's talk about the good stuff, the, the interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and... yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So the good stuff. So what happened day one, if all you guys weren't listening? I mean, you have Twitter, so you should have known what that is. But anyways, that's what we're here for. So day one was basically discussing about what is happening in the current world, meaning that we have COVID-19. Once again, it still exists. We still haven't at all gone through the first wave. And then talked about as well um, things that have been going on with police brutality especially in remembrance of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and those who have been killed and brutalized by police. So the good one for me that I really found striking was that the speeches definitely gave a good kickoff. So we had um, relatives of George Floyd, like his brothers, doing a moment of silence in honor of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and those, like I said, who have have not... been in social media who have been killed by police so it's definitely a moment of um of really reflection about what's been going on in the past few months and also i had personal stories of those who have been impacted by COVID 19 um we had there was one person that they had a keynote speaker who spoke towards how her family was impacted by COVID 19 as her father 
who voted for Trump in 2016, but sadly passed away because he believed that Trump could regulate this pandemic, but obviously it did not happen. Um, and we also had Michelle Obama, yeah, Michelle Obama speak um, in a very powerful speech in which she explained as well um, what was what's been going on, not just in these last few months, but the damage that's been happening for the past four years. And um, what else am I going to say? Uh, Bernie Sanders also spoke day one. Yes, my abuelo Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, how could I ever forget him? Um, to me, he was like speaking every day. That's what I'm just like. But definitely, um, he was another keynote speaker who spoke as well of what stakes we're at to in this election to elect hopefully joe biden and yeah that's basically day one um like i said it's basically a summary of what's been happening in the world today especially in the last few months and how really what we're at stake for so definitely how um joe biden can be the hope of the future so yeah that's basically day one of highlights um yeah. Then you know, so day, day, the highlight of day one, every because everybody talked about it, it was the best moment, probably, probably still the best moment. It's up there for the best moment of the entire convention was Michelle Obama's speech. Definitely, it was the it was a thing where if you didn't pay attention to anything else during the night, the thing that you had to really take away from the night was Michelle Obama's speech. Like if you're gonna remember anything from day day one, it's Michelle Obama's speech. And we'll, yeah. we'll discuss the further analyzation of it, but we're, right now we're trying to highlight what happened, so we're going to get into like the analyze. Say too much yeah. now. So yeah, of course. So you know that pretty much was Monday. Then then Tuesday came, and Tuesday was a little different than Monday. Yeah, it had a took different. A different theme. Yeah, it took a different way, different tone. Mm-hmm. So day two was basically. Um, the people that we're talking about was basically we had AOC. Day two. Yeah, day two. Um, AOC talking and doing her one-minute speech, which she did phenomenally. Honestly, they should have given her more time. But of course, you know, people are scared of what she would say. Um, she, they're scared of what she would say is the truth, even though the truth hurts. You know, like Lizzo says. <laughs> <laughs> Reference to Lizzo. Um, but yeah, um, AOC's speech was definitely something that people were shocked of because they didn't understand what was going on. And we'll get into that, too, in our analyzation part of the show. But AOC was definitely... Her speech, um, if you were paying attention, definitely stated as well the systemic... ongoing systemic issues in our country. So she definitely elaborated on that and how our country needs to move on forward in establishing action on these issues. Um, That's one thing. Another thing as well was... Who else spoke? Um, yeah, basically day two was that. And we had other speakers as well as Bill um, Bill Clinton. Um, he spoke as well, supporting his um, supporting nomination for Joe Biden. And basically, yeah, day two was mostly... Um, it, had, it had like representatives from like represent- these different... Yeah, it's... Yeah, it mostly it was it's kind of confusing to remember what it was because I mostly remember AOC's speech, but yeah, it definitely had representatives really second seconding and 
it's supporting the nomination of Joe Biden. So it's basically more of like, oh, we support Joe as representatives. And um, like, like from the smaller states or like even some swing states. Yeah, it was basically the roll call. The roll call was definitely significant. That was a significant part of day two. And it was basically like, like I said, all the representatives, Congress representatives representing their state. And um, it was funny. I was watching Trevor Noah's um, recap of like the highlights. And it was interesting because like Rhode Island was trying to hype up their state as well as Ohio. And basically it was interesting. It was a cute, it was a cute, um, you know, roll call because it was like everyone in different environments, you know, like their states representing like um, their state in a different way like montana had like cows or something and then yeah rhode island had a calamari <laughs> like it was funny because when watching trevor noah's um, vi- um episode he was like honestly rhode island could have said anything and we would have believed them and i honestly agree with that because i don't know anything about rhode island besides the university of rhode island that pretty much says it and it's a state that when i was taking state tests like you know identifying the u.s st- like state map I would get confused where it is because it's so freaking tiny on the map. Like when I had to label it, I'd be like, I don't know where it is. Like what? No. But anyways, um, that was basically day two. Um, AOC crushed it, oh. like I said, with her speech. Also, um, day two was day two was also the day uh, Joe Biden accepted his nom- yes. nomination. Yeah. Um, how can I ever forget that? Sorry if like I sound like kind of like, you know, on all going to place because so many things happen in the DNC. Like I feel like last night was more of like he accepted it. You know what I mean? Because he did a speech. Um, but you definitely day two was like, okay, he nomination, like officially. But um he did a speech on yesterday. So yeah, he accepted the nomination. So that's basically day two. Like everyone hyping basically being a hype man for joe biden so he can officially be accepting the nomination that's basically what it is in recap um so day three so day three was women um day three was basically talking about the women that have come before and really fought for action discussing about women's suffrage and seeing the evolution of how women have been fighting for rights in history. And also, what was really the highlight of it, I'm going to let Jacob say, because he's a huge fan of um, this, this person who was nominated, so I'm going to say Jacob's going to say that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I have this wonderful honor, especially because, you know, <laughs> what this person represents. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, so day three, I assume was also like the day was the day for women because the vice presidential nominee, a woman, like powerful woman, powerful women, sorry, powerful women have, you know, laid a foundation to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And this point is Kamala Harris potentially being the future vice president of the United States of America, which is a big, you know, of course, is a big deal. It's, you know, it also doesn't help. It also, you know, helps a little that she is a woman of color, which makes this moment even bigger for minority communities. Moment. Yes, to make history just even that much sweeter for the minority communities, both the black community yeah. and and the Asian communities. Mm-hmm. So, so and also, also, yeah. also the, don't forget the cameo by the former president. 
the 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 one before the one before this one. Yeah, yeah. the one before this one. Um, he yeah, it was basically a ladies' night, honestly. And then we had um, and, former and, President but they, Barack Obama. They were okay with for, uh, Barack Obama crashing the party. It was it's fine. Like honestly, I was for it. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, he definitely his speech was also um really uh, like in a, in a memorable one as well because he honestly um. Barack Obama has his way of um, speech is definitely like direct. Like he's very like subtle about it. He doesn't even like he tells the truth in a way that like it it's it, if you really analyze it, it's harsh, but like it's to the point. Like it is what it is, sort of thing. So his speech was also like I said, it was memorable. We'll definitely get into it more about it in the analyzation part. Like I said, but he was also a main takeaway. But overall, um, it was really Kamala's speech that was really the huge takeaway of day three because like like you mentioned it's a historical moment she represents women and also women of color um so to everyone like everyone like to me it was honestly powerful because you really got to see of what um who she really is she was very um vulnerable as well telling her story and we'll, well, like I said, we'll analyze this more, but using her platform to tell her story, because I feel that it got more personal and more um, and more real, this speech, compared to her campaigning speech. Because, I mean, we saw her in the campaign. She was on the campaign trail, running for president, and seeing that um, it was a different approach of her. Um, but, you know, during that time, it was a diff- she was, you know, she was a candidate, so she was, she had a different um, st- strategic way of um, doing things. But now that she is um, accepting the nomination, we really got to see of what resilience and what hope and faith that we will have hopefully in the future. Um, so that's really day three. And we also had an appearance of um, Hillary Clinton who kind of um, in her speech kind of said, you know, this is what I sort of told you so type of speech <laughs> um, of what was going to happen. But um, not that she she was throwing a little bit shade, but at the same time, um, she acknowledges that and acknowledges that there that there will hopefully be something better in the, in the next, you know, um, term. And she supports Biden and Harris and believes that they can do something great with him. Um, the administration compared to what you know what that ever is we have right now (laughs) um so yeah that's basically day three so we are day four Um, the last the the most recent day yesterday yesterday yeah it feels like so many things have happened that i'm just like wait which one was day three you know but everything it happened this week so yesterday yesterday to me was um interesting because um it was basically, you know, everything wrapping up. So everything was, um, you know, wrapping up for the last day. Um, what was real? What was um, like the highlight of it was that they had um, a panel of all the, you know, the the those who written for um, the president. Right, right. They had yeah. Booker. They had Bernie, they Klobuchar, had Pete, Beto. They had Beto. Yes, Yang. Um, they basically had everyone who um, had a significant, um, I guess, like, who actually made it to, like, had, like, a poll percentage on, like, you know, Williams, um, yeah. Mary yeah, and pretty, Morrison. <laughs> pretty, pretty much whoever made past debate number two. 
basically yeah so basically the significant ones who actually were on your ballot for the primary so <laughs> what i remember i know bloomberg made an appearance on day four but i don't oh, remember yeah. if he was part of the panel no oh no we forgot elizabeth warren oh my goodness my teacher how could i forget her <laughs> yeah she was day three Yes, woman. Um, I'm sorry, Elizabeth Warren, if you ever hear this. I didn't mean to forget you. <laughs> you're my, you're my, I was going to get to you about day four because you were there too. But no, yes, Elizabeth Warren, definitely um, in her speech, like I said, we're going to talk about this in general in our analyzation, but she did, um, she did a, a fabulous speech as well. As doing it in the classroom, as once she is, you know, and backstory is that she was a teacher and she, she's a sweet, like, old, old lady who has a plan. And I feel bad that, you know, no one really supported her. I was I was a Bernie fan. I've been loyal to Bernie, but Elizabeth Warren was definitely someone I would lean to as well. But she definitely um, got personal and as well um, was one of the people that really discussed an issue of policy and used her story to really understand what importance it is. And um, what really what was the cute part of it that everyone was talking about that she had um letters that spelled out you know uh, the abbreviation blm black lives matter and she had that like hidden um in like the little um cubby thingies that's what i call them little cubbies that's cool the kids have um but definitely she had that in the background and definitely um elizabeth warren like you said she like i said she has shown she really has a compassionate and empathetic heart that really clearly shows that she cares and she um, like I said, she was part of the women's, like the ladies' night, powerful woman night. So, um, that was a significant speech. But yeah, as we were saying, day four. <laughs> so yeah, they had, um, Warren, they had Sanders, they had Booker, they had Yang, they had Beto, and who else? Klobuchar. Oh yeah, Klobuchar. Yeah, those two. And, There's a reason and, why and I Pete. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, so pretty much anybody who was debating... For, after debate one and two, yeah, they were there. Yeah, so um, they basically had a panel, and they were all going back and forth of, like, their stories with Joe and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Basically, like they said before, when they endorsed him, you know. Um, but Bernie hasn't, Bernie didn't fully, like, you know, supports him, but hasn't really fully endorsed, but, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, pretty- all of them really, yeah. Pretty much, like, you know, we're just like, yeah, we're riding with Joe. We'll do whatever, um and our power to make sure you're elected. So that's basically what they did. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was Thursday felt more like, okay, we have our nominees. Now what? Yeah. Day four was mostly like um, a recap of basically everyone um, showing their support and like concluding, like, this is why we have to do this for November, you know, that sort of thing. So like a wrap up, like, you know, conclusion, like, so in conclusion, Joe, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much so and also also we had another vice president make an appearance we had <laughs> we basically had we basically had three different vice presidents well, p- potentially three because you know Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have not won the election yet or have not have not won have, have, the election hasn't happened yet so <laughs> we had three poten- potentially three veeps in <laughs> Joe Biden definitely was a veep. Kamala mm-hmm. Harris has a chance to be a veep. And we had probably the funniest veep ever. Selena Meyer. 
Julie Louise Dreyfus with Andrew Yang. Yes, I, I, it, was so, I was, it was so cute. I was so happy that he made an appearance, honestly. Um, like, many celebrities, like, there was John Legend, Jennifer Hudson, Billie Eilish, you know, there were um, Eva Longoria came, yeah, so came on like, this week, so. So, um, Tracy, um, Ray, I forget her name. Not Tracy, not Tracy. Trace, um, basically Diana's, Diana Ross's um, daughter. Oh, Diana Ross's daughter. You're from, from, from Black and she is. Yeah. So she made an appearance. Um, like I said, the musical performances. So like it was, it was like a mix of everything each night. Um, you know, celebrities showing the support too, which I found really interesting. But however, when I saw her, Selena Meyer, I was just like, yes, yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had our beef there, our beef. <laughs> Selena Meyer. Yeah. Yeah, Selena. Yes, you know, and if people don't get this reference, yeah, it's she's it's from HBO's really funny show, Veep, starring okay. Julie Louise Dreyfus as Selena Meyer, the Veep. And seriously, like if you haven't watched that show, you should watch it. Like pr- former President Barack Obama even stated that he watched the show and was like, if you want an accurate description of how things are run in the White House or like really anything within like you know the government. Veep kind of portrays really a lot of similarities. So imagine that the former president Barack Obama said that. So I mean, if you want to want to know how life is in in the White House, watch Veep. And actually, also one time to promote Veep, I think for season two to promote uh, the premiere for season two, uh, Joe Biden made a cameo with with Julie Louis Dreyfus for a, a Veep uh, trailer. Exactly, I remember that. So really, like, it's it's a really great show, and it's like, I'm sorry if you didn't get the wrong. It's funny, and it's like you know, but you have to watch it. Just watch it. You just have to. It won. It won all the awards. But all right, all right, we 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 already fan, we fangirled over Selena Meyer. It's okay. Yeah, and uh, and what was funny was like when she was interacting with Andrew Yang and was trying to pronounce, you know, she's like my she was Mike Pence, but she was like, what, how, what's his name, Mike? Me, Mika Pums. Mika. <laughs> and she's like or something like that and then Andrew Yang's face is like what <laughs> like, like right 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 yeah whatever, whatever yeah. his name is but <laughs> but yeah so that that was pretty much this week of the DNC yeah so um that's basically the summary of it um we gave you that so we're now we're going to talk about really analyzing the DNC so um we're going to analyze day one so day one like we said um Michelle Obama's speech and Bernie's yeah yeah, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, wait. Yeah, Bernie. Bernie spoke day one. <laughs> like I said, there's so many speeches, and it's like everyone said something. Like, it, it's, I kind of feel bad because we're tell we're basically telling the people to like to keep track of which who was on which day when in this pandemic. I've we probably all lost track of what day it is. Yeah, that's why I'm just like. Anyways, day one, Michelle Obama, Bernie Sanders. So Michelle Obama's speech, like I said, it was a phenomenal speech because, like I said, really got to the point as well she discussed um really she really got personal really towards it and michelle obama even her speech she says that she tells the truth like she is someone who will tell you how she feels that's what she literally said in her speech she's like i and she, and, and she really is honest in her emotions and her opinions and to me, like watching the speech was really impactful because she really emphasized that um, the role of the presidency. She talked about a little bit about her experience being, you know, first lady in a bit, like, you know, like in a vague way. 
and she discussed like really how horrendous and how ignorant is Donald Trump and how he has not at all done the role of the president being a president and she really bashed on him and you know saying about um talking about key issues as we said police brutality um children in cages representing immigration immigration policies discussing about the coronavirus pandemic unemployment and she highlighted some of the things that in when um president barack obama was in office he that she discussed about the key accomplishments as, a, as in healthcare for 20 million people, which was Obamacare, um, discussing about the economy, um, increasing jobs and stuff like that. So she did like a little bit of analysis about like what they did um, in 2008 and 2012. Um, so discussed a little bit about that and um, really discussed that the role of the presidency is a complex role it's not something that is easy it's difficult it's hard and she said that there's no really perfect candidate for president and what really um and what i took away from like that line that it's a couple lines but this line like really stuck out for me was that being president reveal reveals who you are and that to me was something that it was really powerful because she said that it isn't something that tells you who you are. It's something that reveals who you are. And that's really like politics in general when you really think about it because politics is something that reveals who you are and what your values are. She also discussed um, about really about Joe as well, about what he his moral foundations are. And um, of course she has a bias towards him, you know, like a bias of him because obviously they were Biden was the v, was the veep for President Barack Obama, so she of course is going to show his support, and she really like talked about really everything about Joe's story a little bit and um, how decent man he is, and how he can be the future that we hope you know we have, and um, really she talked about as well like what is at stake at this election. Like it's she's flat out said it like if you didn't, if you don't think things could get worse, well, they can. And she really emphasized how important is people need to vote. And she said that it's literally vote for Biden as if your life depends on it. And, it, and in reality, it is like what we do in November or whether you stand in line to vote or mail in your ballots. You really need to focus on literally doing this action as if your life depends on it. And that's something that if you want to take away, if you, if something important that you want to take away of her speech was that, that we have a voice in voting, that we cannot afford to make the same mistake as we did in 2016. Because we've seen that Trump for the past almost four years how much chaos and how much damage he has done in the country. And if you don't think that it could, like she said, could get worse, well, you're wrong. She even stated in her speech that the United States is viewed as a joke. Like, our alliances that we've had are not as strong as we, as we had 
now. Like, before we, like, you know, it's changed. Like, she even stated, like, before, whatever that is, you know, who's Trump, who, um, been in office, before we had allies with countries that they, that at least they respected us at a certain point. But now that respect and trust is gone. And that's something that really, like, needs to be, you need to really think of. Because, I mean, if, if, and she really, like, stated this, like, kind of, like, you know, not explicitly, but, like, sort of, like, in, like you know, if you really, like, were analyzing this perfectly, um, like, it's important for you to understand that you have to take time in politics. Like, it's, you have to invest some time with it. Because if you don't, if you make, if you don't focus on what you're doing to vote or helping, telling your friends, spreading the word around, then we're going to have the same situation as we did in 2016. It's not deciding who's, who's, who's less, who's like, you know, the not, you know, like when we had in 2016, like, oh, we hate both, but who's the one that we hate less? Like, we can't have that mentality. And so, like, we really need to focus on voting. And, it, and she touched this as well. Like, if you haven't requested your mail-in ballot, please do so now. Because as we've seen with the post, with the postal service, that Trump is literally like, you know, trying to find manipulate his way and really um, continue voter suppression. So if you haven't requested an email ballot, please do so. And if you can, you can vote in person. Like we all have to make an effort, and that's really um, what she really discussed in her speech. That was um, basically the analyzation of it. Um, and then we have Bernie Sanders. Um, Bernie Sanders, um, like, like he's always spoken out. Um, I love my abuelo Bernie. He's, I I get sad, you know, every single like you know when I, when he dropped out of you know campaign. I was really I was sad that day. I had tears coming out of my eyes, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bernie Sanders discussed as well what was at stake and what Trump has done, um, how much damage he's done, and um, what really I found interesting about his speech was that he reached told out the his supporters so he's like over a million supporters that you know supported me we have to do what we can to make sure joe biden is elected um he basically kind of went like discussed similar things of like health care um police brutality systemic racism so his speech was basically touching about that and that we all should invest time for um electing joe biden so that's basically um Analyzation of that, those two. Um, that's the main takeaways that I saw. But um, what were you like your main takeaways of those like those speeches, Jacob? I mean, those uh, the the you know, Michelle Obama speech was really great, especially the one line where she said like she pretty much said there's no perfect candidate mm-hmm. because there there's there were a few things that made me th- made, actually maybe just a couple. It made me think this. She knows a lot of people are not the biggest fans of Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. She knows that. A lot of people made it pretty clear that from even, even the, in the debates, they made it pretty clear that Joe in this race and what the country needs to move forward, the progress that the, that the party, the people who vote for this party are voicing out. You're not their guy, Mm -hmm. but here we are. As much as we didn't want you to be the guy, like, 
because you know, overall, we, for the most part, Joe Biden is not really in favor of more progressive ideas such as Bernie's, even though people who more the most of the Democratic voters are in favor of Bernie policies mm-hmm. or Elizabeth Warren policies, but Joe Biden's not there. Mm-hmm. He's not really on that level. Yeah, he's like but, the center person, like the yes. Middle. Yes, he is. Is he for affordable health uh, health care? Yes, like the Affordable Care Act, pretty much expand on Obamacare. But that he's not for Medicare for all. Um, but it's things like that. Like like you you try to be better and obviously better than uh, than this administration right now in policies. But it's not enough to get to get the better like the way the voters want to see better change yeah she kind of like really explained that um this is the thing that we need now to repair what damage has been happening the damage has occurred during the past four years exactly that she's like it's like she says it in her speech in a way not explicitly but she says like this is something that we need to really focus on now i mean it's something that we need to we need to really repair the country of what damage has been has occurred for the, like the past four years. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like this might not. This is not the situation that the that most voters wanted. Even though, like, even though, and yes, Joe Biden had a better turnout, but you can see from the start that there was there was a lot of criticism still towards Joe Biden. Like, yeah, like you're really not the future. You're not going to be what re- what the future of this party will be twenty, thirty years from now. Mm-hmm. Like at least, like that's what the voters don't want anymore. But since here we are, you are the face of this party for November, mm-hmm. and maybe, and we'll see for the near future. We'll see. We'll see what happens in this election. Um, so pretty much, like you're our guy, whether you know people like it or not. This is what we got. This 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 is the first step that we need to make towards change for the better from these last four years. Mm-hmm. And also, what I also found, I think I also like that line that no candidate no candidate is perfect mm-hmm. because if it's true, like now we're like we're like now we're in an era where we can find we can find receipts on anybody for to right. criticize them like whatever and what they give. To help, to hold people accountable for their past actions if they haven't been held accountable, but I think we're not. I also think now with that, with this this day and age, we're not. We haven't gotten to the point where we're ready to hold to see if these people are willing to grow. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much like so like when we found out, like there are a lot of you know people criticizing you know Joe Biden's past and yeah he criticized their past you know Kamala Harris's past decisions criticized her decisions. Like like oh like, like you see a lot some people are discouraged enough to like to, to the point where you question if they will actually vote or not mm-hmm. because they oh well, I can't forgive them well I think you also have to allow you have to allow room for growth mm-hmm. like yes we're, we're we're gonna hold people accountable for their past mistakes but then that means they they have to earn then they have to earn that trust again but now let you if you let you gotta let them do the work and see if they can actually get that trust back mm-hmm. but i don't know if we're at that point yet because when she also said no candidate no candidate is perfect 
she can also like there's also room to criticize her husband yeah and she kind of said her, it too she kind of like, like um left room for it because after she said that she was like um a president the role of the president is not easy like, it's hard yeah it's not you're not gonna make decisions that everybody likes and she said like like what she said um now that i'm recapping it in my head um she like stated like you either start wars end wars try to establish peace like in a way she was listing like things of like what a president does and she literally said like you either you make alliances you break you sort of break alliances like i said like you either make wars have decision where you make wars end wars and try to establish some type of peace like she kind of like said like you know what like i we've done great things like she like she kind of said you know like i said like obamacare etc you know but um she literally kind of like in like you know instigated it that you know it's not an easy job that um you know kind of saying like my husband didn't made decisions that were hard that not everyone was in favor of and he holds that grudge because he does have a moral foundation like it's not it's hard to sleep at night like he actually had like a conscience of like you know um during this past two terms like you know i made decisions that you know at the end of the day like you have to figure out what is going to be best for the country you know it's 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 complex and it takes like she's even said a mindset that is like your perspectives are just you have to be prepared for it yeah and so like 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 really people like revisionist history like yes overall barack obama was not a bad president good president yeah but at the same time like like a little reminder like yes as much as we miss him what he represented those eight what those eight years represented symbolically there were mistakes Mm -hmm. along the along those years like not everything went well not everything went smoothly like so it's always good to you should always expect good things from leaders but know that they're gonna make mistakes it's part of human nature. How human nature is really set up is where we make mistakes, and we're I not, think yeah, we're not meant to be perfect. And um, and it's really realizing if that person is willing to grow from it and not make the similar mistake again. That's really um, that's really what it is. Well, yeah. And, so that yeah. that's that's what that's what I liked about her speech because mm-hmm. I thought you know she's basically telling you this is. Like it's either vote for this and make the progress, the start the progress that you want to see. Hopefully, this lays the foundation for the pro, the progress that you want in the future. Mm-hmm. Or Do you pretty want- much like don't don't have like don't have things change. It's like so, literally our lives are at stake. Like she literally just said yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and so that was my main takeaway from her speech. Another thing I noticed from day one is they made sure they had um, people on the center and towards a little bit towards the right, mm-hmm. like conservative conservatives, mm-hmm. to show that there are to show that there are conservatives who are going to vote against Trump. Mm-hmm. And that's really and like a strategic, like um, you know, it's an it's an interesting strategy in mm-hmm. theory because it you makes you think that 
well, one, it, it makes you assume that there are, there are conservatives watching like PBS and mm-hmm. NBC and CNN mm-hmm. when there are a lot of conservatives, people who are aligned with Trump that they probably won't take those networks seriously. Mm-hmm. But it just, to me, that I wonder how, I wonder if the Democratic Party, I wonder how much they actually believe that those conservatives are like still kind of on the fence of who to vote for because they weren't too happy about these last four years. They weren't too happy with their vote. Like, ah, do I really want to vote again for Trump or should I vote for Biden? Like, yeah. Like these are the, so like something like John Kasich was Kasich was there to for like Republicans, and then they had I forgot what her name was. Um, she was there to speak, like you said earlier, to speak on behalf of her father who died from COVID. A Trump supporter, a Trump voter, so like someone who thought who trusted the president and died because he didn't because he thought the pandemic wasn't serious enough because the president said it was gonna go away and it's no worse than the flu, and he died due to COVID. And I think that registered her like she can't like she can't trust Trump. Um, as well, like another story that happened, I don't think the same night, but another story was of an 11-year-old girl who spoke out towards her mother um, being deported. Her dad was a former U.S. Marine, and he supported Trump as well. And they're telling the story, too, of that he, that her father believed in Trump, that he would protect not just him being, you know, a service, to, serving our country as a U.S. Marine, but also protecting his family as well, but that wasn't the case because that 11-year-old girl's mom was deported back. And that um, storyline as well kind of, um, like, it aligns to what um, really the convention was sort of, like, leaning towards to. Um, I think, like, for me, it was kind of, like, conflicting hearing those stories because as myself, who um, is pretty much on the progressive part of the Democratic Party, if I were to beyond the spectrum i'm more of a progressive person who has um that's why i support sanders and aoc and um warren so i'm more of the progressive i believe in progressive leaders leadership so to me seeing that was kind of like i got frustrated because like it really um like you like i got frustrated because i was just like you voted for trump but are now saying you don't like him because personally you were impacted if that makes sense. Like, if it wasn't for this situation, which is horrendous, and I, like, I would, I can't even imagine that pain. And I empath- I empathize with you, you know, like, those stories and personal stories are a huge thing. But at the same time, it was, like, a strategic of, like, um, like, sort of, like, trying to make people understand that like not all conservative the conservatives can have a change of heart and it kind of makes you like a complex if, if that makes sense it makes you have like a complex like mi- like you know mindset of like you're sort of confused of like how you feel about it like you like you acknowledge you because i'm a huge person that acknowledges stories i think stories definitely have a huge powerful impact but like it kind of like it's it's kind of like selfish of like how they they use the strategic because it's like oh like you know conservatives can have a change of heart but like like it's it just frustrating you know because it's literally coming back to the narrative like you care about something only if it impact if only if you've been personally impacted by it it's not something that you have like a moral foundation of it 
if that makes sense, you know? Like, it, right. you know, and, it's kind of like, I, I hope that, like, people are understanding what I'm trying to say, but, like, it's kind of like, conf- like, I was conflicted about these stories. Like, <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying because it feels like it really took a lot of horrible things to happen over the last four years mm-hmm. for, for a conservative to change their mind about Trump. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like, it's, and if, you know, the, Basically, if the president basically lied to you, then yeah, that's gonna that's gonna make you not probably not support him anymore. But at the same time, like yeah, we also knew he really wasn't on your side. Yeah, and it's like it kind of like he, made me question the party itself. Like you know, it kind of just like it's like you also, guys are really strategizing just to make people just change their mind, and like it made like, me. It made me think of back of President, I mean, you know, um, Michelle Obama's speech of like, you know, like as I was hearing those stories, like I was really like getting frustrated and like worked up about it. But like I had to reflect back to her speech of saying that, you know, this is what we need now, sort of thing, you know. And that's where like I kind of was like, okay, I can sort of, you know, calm myself down and really like, you know, analyze things. But yeah, it was basically like a weird strategic because it's literally like at this point, it's, like we're doing whatever we can to like you know persuade people to vote for biden you know like conservatives mostly yeah and also just one last thing i want to talk about for day one is that john case Kasich trying to basically say like what the democratic party mm-hmm. is about or what america is about like it's not it's not really like radical left movements it's like it's like pretty much like like the ones that all the way to the end of the left the end of the spectrum on the left that's not the real representation like like that's like the uh, the most accurate representation of america i was like i mean I, I was like are you really like as a republican trying to say like what the party actually looks like or what the voters mm-hmm. looks like so what these voters actually look like or what how they actually think like it's that's very tone deaf and out of touch yeah especially like- when you're like you're not part of the party no, yeah, definitely. It's like a disconnection, really, in the Democratic Party, because like it just basically is convention, especially within day one. Like it was a good kickoff, but like I said, like those like type of like you know Kasich and like the stories, and it kind of like you can see where the gap of the Democratic like, Party is. You, like, you can see that they're they're still trying to play the strategy of just getting every vote possible, mm-hmm. whether it be the progressives, whether it be the min- what type of minority vote whether it be the centrist and the conservative vote, like, mm-hmm. I, I was, it kind of made me, like, like, so you guys would, as much as you guys want to focus on the different aspects of your party, you're still mm-hmm. going to try to reach outside of your party for these voters because you think that all the, the most turnout is the best. Well, let's not forget, you did have more turnout in 2016. Mm-hmm. You did. Maybe another thing that would help is if you, Pander, you know, if you just play more for your party on the all the aspects of your party mm-hmm. instead of just trying to like nitpick like some target, vague, right? Yeah, like something, some like some of these vaguer parts of your party, like oh, like this person is kind of progressive, this person's like this person is, is a known Democrat, this oh, this person is a conservative against Trump. Like, well, touch more or more aspects of your party, yeah, like, like it, you, it's a weird. St- strategy but as but i feel like i guess like within their minds of the democratic party 
they thought it was a better they thought like and I, I don't I'm saying like what they thought not this is what I want like you know like I'm trying to analyze this and I feel that um they probably just really kind of wanted to do that because they know that you know like minorities are not gonna like this is not a convention for you know working class and minorities because we already know what's wrong with the country if that makes sense like we know we're limiting it firsthand of like what it means to be in this country and what the struggle is you know so it's like you can't like we hate like i hate trump like many other people do and like you know we're not gonna i don't need persuasion to tell me like i have to vote for joe biden you know so i feel like their strategic was like we have to influence the white voters who are conservative because like you know supposedly you know supposedly we already have the minority vote you know like we like minorities don't need to be told like you have to vote for Joe Biden. It's like, of course we have to. Like you know, like what else do we have? We don't want Trump. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Um, so that pretty much was day one. Yeah, um, that was a lot about day one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, but yeah, day two. So day two. Oh, uh, AOC. Sorry, I had to. Yes, yes. So day two, day two was supposed to be the highlight. Was supposed to be Joe Biden accepting his nomination for the Democratic candidate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but pretty but that took a backseat to AOC's saying that she still endorsed Bernie Sanders. Yes, that was Fox News ate it up. Basically, everyone. You know what's funny though? Like news outlets that are like. The major news outlets. Yeah, supposedly, you know, study politics, you know, have their degrees and whatever, you know, they're supposed to, you know, know the experts. Yeah, the the experts mostly. Quote unquote experts. Um, They were like bashing on AOC, and I and if honestly, it's really like um, a lack of you know education because obviously they don't really teach you this unless you study politics (laughs) or (laughs) pay attention to it. But, well, AOC was asked to give the speech because, as you know, Bernie Sanders made it pretty far in the race, unlike everyone else. And he, and as you know, if you voted, which I hopefully you did, and your ballot in the primaries, you had delegates on your ballot. Remember that? If you remember that. Um, so, in theory, Bernie Sanders had a lot of votes of delegates so by law within voting and the democratic party rules she had to give a speech seconding the nomination of bernie sanders for president because of the amount of delegates he won and since he so basically it's like he came in second place and like as trevor noah said it's basically saying like oh you lost so publicly like have to announce that you lost so um that's basically what her speech was. Like, her showing her support and saying, like, I want, I, I support Bernie Sanders. And um, because I have to say this, this speech, but since he dropped out of the race and, you know, Biden took over, like, I have to say it. So that's why people were, like, confused about it, which was okay. I mean, like I said, news outlets should have, you know, known this, but, like, the common average person wouldn't know this. And, that's what you really people need to understand. It's because Bernie had a lot of votes for delegates, and since he had a lot of votes for it, AOC had to speak on behalf of, um, you know, seconding his nomination. But of course, um, 
Joe Biden won by most votes, so. And he dropped, and you know, Bernie dropped out, so. <laughs> yeah, so technically she didn't, it's not like she went out to diss Joe Biden, it was that she just followed the rules. The rules. And, um, yeah, she followed the rules, and like I said, she did a phenomenal speech. As you know, AOC has phenomenal speeches. She speaks the truth and speaks from her heart. Um, what was really interesting was that later on that night, she went on live on Instagram to explain what she was doing because, you know, everyone was confused. And she really congr- she congratulated um, Joe Biden, actually. She did tweet out about this, too, congratulating um, Joe Biden. And also, you know, gra- um, congratulating Kamala Harris, even though her night was, was going to be the third night. But... She also, she demonstrated her support and told and said um, what really, to me, was something that people really need to understand. It's sort of like um, going off from what we discussed, like, you know, a couple minutes ago. And she really acknowledged that, like, although this wasn't something that we wanted, ideally, as a ticket, but we have to really support this ticket. She said that it's that's what that we really need to work on electing Biden and Harris because this is what we have to work with. And she really emphasized that just because that we have this ticket and hopefully they're elected to office, we have to keep working to fight for change. She said, like, just because they're going to be in office, hopefully doesn't mean that the struggle ends there. The struggle, they call it struggle for a reason. It's meant to be challenging and difficult. You're going to have obstacles every single time. And the fight never ends. And that's really something that I took away from what she was saying because it's something that, like, many of us, especially our generation, is not huge on this ticket because, obviously, our generation has more of a progressive values. We have a moral conscience compared to other generations. And like we said, like we mentioned, Jacob, that we have receipts. Like we're the, we're the generation that's like, we'll hold you accountable. We have the receipts for this. We won't let it go. But she also kind of said, like, use that energy, those receipts that you have in a way to hold them accountable and fight for change. Like, it's something she kind of really, like, kind of also, like, you know, wanted to portray this message that now to work with. And we're going to have to really go behind it because we cannot afford another Trump presidency. Like, this, that's what it is. We just cannot. And so um, something that really, like she said, that really is important is that we have to vote, go vote, because voting is something that really shows that you have a voice in the world and, want, and that's the way we can really advocate for things. But as well, we need to vote and organize. Voting and organized. When I mean organized means like community organization, continue the fight for change, the systemic issues, et cetera, et cetera, not stopping the challenge, you know, to go to for like, you know, um, continue to fight against, you know, like challenges and obstacles. And in a way, she kind of like really said, like, you know, it's um, we have to organize so. That way, in four years from now, once hopefully Joe and Harris finish their term, we have what we ideally want. Because obviously, like, this ticket was something, like we mentioned, like, we didn't organize well enough 
because we have the mentality of like we have to get Trump out of office. We just have to like think of something to get him out of office. It wasn't so much, oh, we have these policies and our moral values matter, and they do matter, but in a way that we didn't really organize ourselves to be like, oh, we want actual policies and moral value change. We mostly thought, oh, we have to get Trump out of office. We have to do whatever we have to do to get him out of office. That's really the plan, you know? So that's why she um, really mentioned, like, voting and, strateg- voting and strategizing slash organizing. Because we have to do an every ounce of effort and work we need to put in so we can have Biden and Harris in office. And then four years from now, we can continue to organize and hopefully have something that we morally want. So, yeah, that's basically night two. Um, and Bill Clinton spoke, too. I think Jimmy Carter also said something, too, like a statement as well. Right? Or no? Like I, I, I think so. I find it weird that Bill Clinton was there, especially, like, I don't think, I don't really think the Democratic Party should be showing Bill Clinton or, like, having again, you know, it on a stage. You no, know, especially with these. I guess like, we know that Trump is linked to Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. So is Bill Clinton. Yeah, I think like, like it's like we said like, be, earlier. They're can't be hypocrites. Like, you know, hit every voter, you know, yeah. sort of thing. I don't know. I think that's the strategy. Like I said, yeah. they just want to appeal yeah, every voter like, possible. Yeah, but it's, you can't be hypocritical and, you know, like criticizing Trump's links to Epstein and, like, you know, like Bill Clinton has links to Epstein too. And yeah, it's, yeah, no, no, it's not. Not a good look. Like, we don't really have to show Bill Clinton anymore. It's okay if we exclude him from some conventions. It's yeah. okay. Like, he's, yeah. he, 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 we have other Democratic, you know, people, or, uh, the Democratic Party has other people who, who've done things and can, like, like Barack Obama, mm-hmm. you, who can speak for the party. I don't think, I don't think the Democratic Party needs Bill Clinton anymore. Yeah, I think, like, honestly, I don't know if they ran out of speakers, like, people couldn't attend or, or something. Or important. they could have just could have just not include them at all. Not even the fact that, not even the point of running out of speakers, just don't include them. Yeah, I think it's just, like, by default they had to, because, you know, he's part, he was part of, you know, the presidency, you know, a certain point. I think just by that, by default. Yeah, if, 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 if George Bush doesn't want to speak at a, Republic, at a Republican National Convention, it's okay that Bill Clinton doesn't have to speak at a Democratic National Convention. Yeah, he honestly could have turned it down. Like, especially because, as... Really the party could have ju- the party could have just never offered it. Yeah, I'm not yeah. even saying it's Bill Clinton's fault for being there. I think it's the Democratic Party's like I fault. Like you don't have to, like you don't have to, he doesn't have to be here. Don't include. But yeah, but night yeah yeah like night two basically that um like I said the AOC controversy that people need to be educated on. So that's really what happened. I'm trying to think what else happened day two. But yeah, anything else. That's basically it. Um, day three was um, women. Yes. Period. Women. Women. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll, get, we'll get this person out of the way because the focus, like you said, was the women. Mm-hmm. Um, Barack Obama, speaking as a former president, came at the Trump administration, came at Trump for how... The weight of the the weight of being president on your should on your shoulders 
needs to be huge. It needs you need to feel that responsibility that way you do the best job possible, not for yourself, for the American people. Mm-hmm. And pretty much just say like, yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Not yeah, 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 yeah. Current president just doesn't care. Like, like the, the <laughs> there's like this job should mean something. It's the most powerful job in the world. Doesn't mean anything. But he, I think what was really like the quote he said is basically what was, I found really powerful was basically Trump is using this role as having his reality TV show and you know remember that line like having yes. a reality TV show just to get attention that he desires. And I was like, mm-hmm. well said, well put, couldn't have said it better. <laughs> like and he said something about yeah. something about growing into the office, but and that yeah. he hasn't because he can't. Like that's true. He. If you if you really care about your just yourself, how are you gonna do a job where you're basically supposed to look after millions and millions of people? Um, like referring back to um, Trevor Noah's um, episode when he was recapping like every single night when he said the like the only person that knows that you know that Trump has grown is his Taylor. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was just like, wow. <laughs> That's basically that's the only growth that he has ever had, honestly. And his and the the COVID numbers the COVID numbers keep growing, so Yeah. Um so yeah, basically um Barack Obama's speech was basically, you know, as he like I said before, he subtly puts the truth, you know, in his speeches. He just like that's that's it. That's what it is. You're yeah, terrible. So, so it was it was Good to see him just be straightforward. No need to sugarcoat anything. But still, like, he's not hes not going out of his way to throw shade. He's just being honest and, like, frank. Like, yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah, and then we had Hillary Clinton also being frank, kind of said, you know, this is what happens when, you know, we don't vote sort of thing. That was basically her speech, you know. I mean, she kind of holds that grudge, you know. Like, the like you guys, that happened, you know, yeah, she's pretty much saying that like, you guys, you guys didn't like me because you guys said you couldn't trust me. Well, look I mean, where we are now, basically. Like, like, yeah, you might like. I'm not like, yeah, like Michelle said, no one's perfect, and Hillary's not perfect. So that's basically kind of like that. I told you so. So here we yeah, are now. But yep, and and at least like people put into perspective for this. When you know people, you're gonna hire somebody in whatever mm-hmm. profession, someone in, in a very important, very important position for a job. Usually, people go with the person with experience mm-hmm. in that field. Usually. Yeah, it's usually you know job searches. That's basically you know. Yeah. You know, like they want experience. And in this job right here, <laughs> the ultimate job. Hillary has experience, senator. Secretary of First Lady State, First Lady, but like she had, she's worked in in Washington, and it's pretty much like her shade. Like, you guys can trust me. At least I had experience on my resume. Yeah, but you know, just saying. But here we are now. What do you know? Yeah, and of course, her her wearing white. Her wearing white. Yeah, so that's really um Hillary Clinton, and um like now we have Elizabeth Warren. The lovely Elizabeth Warren, the sweet, the sweet teacher. Honestly, if she was my teacher, I would probably be a better student. Like, I wish I had a teacher like Elizabeth Warren because she had just so compassionate and just like, she just so like, 
so sweet that like she has the patience like she's like she was born to be a teacher like i just the way that she is like she has that patience like amazing teacher maybe and i know you i know you say math isn't your strongest subject kind of maybe she would have been really helpful at math yeah definitely <laughs> she, she would have the patience honestly like she probably would have been able to teach me english pretty well too as i didn't learn english until like you know i was like middle school i would say like i learned it pretty well but, but yeah um yeah elizabeth warren's speech um like i said she she's really like one of the people that um i admire in her speech because she was able to use her personal story and also talk about um an actual issue that's 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 happening you know like i feel like other speeches were just like you know like very like vague and just like you know um I support Biden because I like his policy sort of thing, like not really like establishing a specific policy that he's for, but she was able to talk about childcare and she used her personal experience as, you know, um, like a working mom and really um, she established that she was, you know, trying to keep it all together, but she just couldn't. And she had her aunt B and who was able to help her, you know, take care of her children and she was able to work every day like elizabeth warren knows what it takes to to be working class like she's lived it firsthand and she talked about childcare as being a huge thing because many people do not have that support you know what i mean like it's she had her on feet to support her to take care of her children but many people don't have that don't have that privilege really and she really wants to really um, push forth for child, affordable child care for every single family, especially moms who are single moms, et cetera. Because it's important. And um, like I said, she was able to really use her story and also be like, this is why I support Joe Biden, because he is going to do this for child care, and et cetera. And I feel like that's something that's important. Like, as, as people always said, she has a plan. That's why her speeches are so um, concise and actually you learn something from it. Because she has a plan. And many people, you know, complain that the other politicians don't have plans. But, well, we had a woman that had a plan, but you guys didn't support her. So, just a little salty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was really... A lot of people were saying, like, yeah, like, Elizabeth Warren de- deserves, like, a job on the administration. I'm like, yeah, she does, like, Secretary of Treasury. Yeah. I feel like she'd be good with... She'd be really good with money. Or, edu- you know, education as well. Edu- yeah, education's fine, too. But I think... I trust... I feel like, you know, she needs something more important, like like money. Yeah. She because she knows... She, she has a plan on how to pay for things. She does. With money. And so, hopefully, like, they really grant her, like, a job on the administration because she, like I said, she's really phenomenal. And like I said earlier, she had, like, a cute decoration, really. Like, she's so subtle about it, but, you know, she, actions really speak louder than words sometimes. And she had the, spelled out BLM, Black Lives Matter, and she um, had that in the classroom. And like I said, she didn't her speech in a classroom, and that proves, to, like, that in a way proves that who, who she is. She's someone who cares. She teaches. She was a teacher at a certain point. So she really cares about children, really cares about families, cares about education. So it proves, like, who she is. And she's a significant woman who really works for the people. She cares, And she just generally cares. And, then, and now we move on to the probably the 
most best, important. <laughs> yeah, the best moment. And, and as as good as like the speech, the, the monologues and the speeches were from people from day three, like Barack and Warren. It was Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris's night. It was. Um... And she made she made sure everybody knew it was her night. Yeah, and I think like the main take like the main takeaway from her speech I really admire was um, her her family's story. Like it coming as a daughter of immigrants, she she had that like personal touch because like I said, she's a daughter of immigrant parents. You know, so um, to me that was really important because as you see, like in this country, immigrants are doubt upon oppression so to me having her be able to speak on behalf of that was really important and powerful as well as for her being a black woman because as we know black women are not protected in the united states and so really using her platform of really being fighting for change not for all um in general and especially with black women like she um, really cares and really wants to protect Black women and protect those marginalized and vulnerable who have been experiencing the ongoing systemic oppression towards them. And what I found really interesting and really, like I said, like monumental was what she said, um, I know a predator when I see one. And to me, that was a really powerful line. And it proves to show how fierce this woman is and how she is ready to get the job done she was gonna work hard i mean she her past like there's the bad the ugly and you know the good obviously and like everyone was kind of like i said like in our last episode everyone's skeptical was skeptical about her but she is ready to really do the job and really show to the world like not just like not the world in general like that she wants to make change that she will do whatever it takes to make change like she's a profound leader with experience like (laughs) I could go on the list but she has a lot of experience and I like seeing her speech like it was it like gave me comfort because in a way that she she really cares about this nation and really wants to repair what's the, the harm and so, yeah, it's really um, something that I was really proud to see. But, yeah, that was my main takeaway. So, Jacob, what was yeah. your main takeaway of her speech? My main takeaway is that she could either be president or vice president. You wouldn't even know it with this speech. You wouldn't know what if you just saw the speech and didn't know she was accepting her endorsement for vice president. You would not you would not have known which job she accepted. Which endorsement she accepted. That was an incredible speech laying down her track record of what like what she what good she did with when she was in office as attorney general for the state of California, what bills she's co signed and what she's for as a senator. Again and we know like in these past this past year, year and a half, we we've paid attention to what goes on in DC. You've we've seen those those uh, committee hearings. We know the one who's the one senator who makes sure that goes after more than anybody other anybody else, more than any other senator when it comes to these questions, you know. Kamala's the one that you that you fear because 
you you, you th- when you think of any other any answer that you can give, you might incriminate yourself on that hearing. So you know you know you know Kamala Harris can she she'll she'll make a very very good vice president. Yeah. So overall, that was basically like the key importance of day three. Mm-hmm. Basically, women, I guess, at speaking out and like um, supporting Kamala Harris. And I- oh, also one quick thing about Kamala Harris' speech when saying that that the the coronavirus doesn't know what racism is, and yet somehow it's 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 still it still targets people of color more. Yes. That was like pretty much like even like like medicine like even with a disease that should be that is should be blind to racism it targets people of color more that's like yeah it's pretty like pretty much like being the minorities and you know people who are the working class get affected way more like yeah she's she's not wrong yeah like her speech like it, it touched a lot of things touched but like if it were like I like the highlights I said it were really like her personal story and her her fierceness and like really um, working hard to protect women. And um, I'm just glad and um, that she is willing to really like, you know, work hard and she always has worked hard. So she just, this is like her, her specialty of working hard, a hardworking woman. So in leadership. So I'm really excited to see what hopefully we do our efforts to elect this ticket and it'll be interesting to see what she really does in the position of power, in this position of power. So that's basically day three. <laughs> day three and uh, day four really was just a recap. Yeah, so day four kind of frustrated me. <laughs> and this is gonna go like to our kind of sort of conclusion of the DNC. So like, I was like fed up. Like I would like go out in here and there on like Twitter and like you know on Instagram and like because it had the DNC live. Like I was like getting frustrated because like I think like the only significant part really was Joe Biden's speech. Like you know accepting the nomination. You know he kind of said the same thing he said on the campaign. You know I'm gonna do change. Blah 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 blah. So basically like you know repetitive, redundant. And, like, I was getting really frustrated because I was just, like, why do we have this day four? Like, can't just beat Joe Biden's speech and, yeah. Because, like, we literally have, like, like I said, we had the panel of those who ran for president. And the only people I like on that is really Sanders and Yang. The only people I really <laughs> cared about. And, and Warren, and Warren, of course. Um, okay, like, you know, that's, but I was really interested about, like, we'll see what Yang was saying because I haven't, we haven't seen Yang really you know, much we've only we've seen Warren, we see Sanders because you know they're in the Senate. And, you know, like they're they're always talking. But I was only really interested in what Yang was saying, and that's what we had Selena Meyer, you know, do her guest appearance. You know, <laughs> so I really mostly like cared about them because literally it was like um, it was frustrating because I was just like, why do we need two hours of this recap? Like we get it, everyone supports like everyone basically everyone who talked. Literally everyone who was in this last day already talked in the past three days. So like, why do we need you guys to say the same thing all over again? Like, <laughs> pretty much they were having a Zoom conversation. Like, what they what Joe Biden represents, his track record, why they think he's better than Trump, what he's gonna do better. I was like, yeah, we know. Like, we've heard this for months now. Yeah. Oh, also like, I mean, it's like, it's like a recap. Also, um. Joe Biden's wife talked on the third day as well, and she was really, you know, compassionate towards that. Forgot about that. Oh yes, yes. Can't forget about um, Jill. She she really um 
she nailed in her speech too as the future first lady i feel like she will also really support joe and um she'll be a great first lady as well just want to say that point because i totally forgot about her (laughs) did not mean to do that but um like i said like her speech was really touching because she really discussed the personal struggles that joe has had as he's lost his son then also wife i think like he's lost a wife yeah so like he got to like she got to talk about like um his personal struggles of like that's why holly's compassionate towards parents who are grieving the loss of children so like she really touched like the vulnerable part of joe that many of us don't know because we're so used to like his like being senator and political part but we don't really understand like his his like internal personal struggles as you know that he has a stutter and he really cares about children who who have stutters and like I think it was really cool that one one person said that he gives his personal phone number to kids who are struggling with stutters and I think that's something that is really touching because that's something that's genuine and although some people are just some people may think oh it's just something political but like no it's something that like not everyone would do if that makes sense like I think like that definitely touched she definitely explained like Joe Biden is like vulnerable and personal touch that and I think it's important too to really understand because that's something that not everyone's willing to share, if that makes sense. So I feel yes. like that was important. Um, like I didn't know that about Joe Biden's personal, personal thing, like internal thing. I always, I like, I just like everyone else knows the political part, but like I said, that was that was an important thing that um, I took away from her speech. So hope I think she's gonna be a great first lady. There we go. So back to what we were saying. Um, yeah. So the DNC. Yeah. Basically, like. Um, the panel was just like ridiculous. I got frustrated because literally the same thing every single, every, every single um time. And um, yeah, I only cared about what Yang was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we were hearing the same things, you know, about you know what Trump represents, what Trump has done, what we need, to, what we need to change, why we need to vote for Joe Biden, what why we think Joe Biden is ready for this moment. Like, yeah, like, yeah, thank you, thank you. I think we're repeating that. Again, and again, yeah, and again and again, yeah. but in different words. Yeah, literally, it was. You guys, you you guys have a thesaurus. Thank you. Literally, because like you just went around again. Like everyone, like Governor is talking about it. Well, Governor Newsom, you know, California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't know. Um, he was really like the only people, like one of the people as well, talking about like you know I support Joe Biden because of this. Like he discussed um his Zoom call. Really, it was like it was actually like a Zoom call. Honestly, like a FaceTime call. Actually. Because he's been, he's been, um, like, as you know, California has been dealing with wildfires as they've been experiencing a huge heat wave. And so, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so he, he was, he was literally like in the forest or something like up north. And so like the woods, not forest, woods. Um, <laughs> um, and he was discussing like the climate change. And I think like his his speech was kind of, it was really memorable too because he talked about climate change like if you don't believe in climate change well you better come to california because look what we're dealing with and he discussed as well like what would be biden's plan for climate change and like gas emissions et cetera, et cetera. um and so like i really like acknowledge those and really care about those type of speeches because like i said they use a like experience that's happening right now and saying oh this is how joe biden would fix it and i think that's bit like way more educational than someone saying yeah i support joe biden because you know he's a decent like i was like it's important yeah he's a decent man but like yeah he's my friend you know we've been on the campaign too like we already know that you said this like last time when you endorsed him 
Like, literally, when you endorsed me, you're like, ah, yeah, it's a, I endorsed Joe because, you know, when we went on the campaign trail, and, you know, and he was, like, supporting me, you know, like, yeah, we already know that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was basically, like I said, day four was, like, frustrating to me. And, like, I had, like, some people were asking me, like, if I was watching the fourth night, and I was like, I do not need to watch the last day of DNC. Like, I get it. Like, I'm, like, but you're studying government and politics. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm studying government and politics. Yes, that's my major, but... Actually, I don't need to watch the DNC to really understand the what I need to do to elect Joe Biden. Like, I didn't know what's at stake. And if anything, government politics is not just the convention. It's not this. Politics is educating yourself on other policies. And, like, even representative, Congress representatives, like, I feel like, don't really like they watch the dnc but they don't watch it fully because you know they have to serve the district that they're that they were elected to so like i think like that's what really got frustrating because people were saying you have to watch and i was like sure i don't have to because my personal choice because i do not need convincing or persuasion to know what's at stake like i already know like i'm gonna vote for joe biden that's what it is it is what it is so yeah, I really got frustrated, and I really tweeted out yesterday on Twitter about everything because I was just like, I'm just sick of this fourth night because we're literally like, just have Joe Biden speech, yeah, that's do, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much the DNC, and like, it's really um, it's good that it's good that if people, like, I'm glad people were invested in watching it. Good, that means you sort of you know care about this election but at the same time like if you're gonna watch this just because you want to say you want to get more quote-unquote involved in politics that's not how it works politics is evolving politics is a lot and there's a lot of policies that you don't even know about so like i'm educating myself about policies that you wouldn't know so i don't need to watch the dnc fully that's why they have highlights for a reason the next day and people don't talk about it the night of. They talk about it 24 hours afterwards. That's why you have the news headlines. Yeah. That's really the DNC overall. <laughs> yeah, any, any additional comments, Jacob, on the DNC? God, this, yeah, now that we've concluded the talk about the DNC, yeah, it feels like we talked about the DNC just as long as it went on. Honestly, it did. Like, honestly, it did. Honestly, I think we actually made a shorter version of it. Yeah, maybe we did like one day. Yeah, honestly, yeah, this this episode feels like the the length time is gonna feel like one day of the DNC. And it's everything that you need to know about it, so it's way more convenient. <laughs> yeah, we gave you the spark notes. We gave you the spark notes, but don't spark note things like in actual school. Well, actually, do, but like not to a certain extent. I did some. I did sometimes, I did and then it made made it made reading the chapter easier. Yes, use it as a reference, but like, don't make it obvious that your teachers would know. <laughs> don't make it yeah. too obvious. Well, well, since it, that concludes the talk about the DNC, do you want to do random thoughts? Yeah, let's do a random thoughts. But um. Do you, do you want to go first, or should I go first? You know what? I'll go first because that way you can have more time jambling on it. Because I mean, I might, I'm speaking right now. I might as well go for it. That way you can conclude with your random thoughts. Um, so my random thought is really like quick, honestly. Well, sort of. We'll see what happens. But yeah. So um, my random thought is about colleges reopening. Um, as we see on the news, Notre Dame 
Notre Dame. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it fancy because <laughs> they're elitist school. But um, yeah, so schools like UNC Chapel Hill and Notre Dame, um, they've been experiencing a lot of. Um, they act generally surprised that students are testing. You know getting positive for COVID, but it's like, you knew what this happened. Scientists told you not to do it, but you did so anyways. And actually this morning I found out that St. John's actually has three positive cases of coronavirus. And these kids already were in quarantine already. So they have to be isolated again. And honestly, St. John's and other universities who decided to reopen and have students there need to really like get themselves together because you're not likely of kids coming back in the spring or having kids at all are going to be very slim if you don't get your, you know, yourself together. So fix yourself, colleges, because it's scientists literally told you, Dr. Anthony Fauci, you know, told you about it. So it's on, it's on you. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I thought those were pretty funny. Like when hearing colleges get positive results for COVID from students like what you didn't th- you thought you're gonna get zero cases you didn't like depending what state these kids come from you didn't think they'd party even then you don't think some of these kids socialized and partied and didn't follow the rules and they're gonna be c- come back clean and remember they have to go still through an airport no yeah some of them yeah uh, oh it's well. Just, it's just in general, like, I'm not generally surprised. I'm just like, you guys knew what it was at stake. You just refused because you guys want to receive some money, like, from these kids. You're basically telling kids, you know, paying them to, like, die. That's what they, like, it's, and I really, like, feel bad for students because, I mean, in a way, like, the students that actually, you know, take things seriously, like, the international students, like, in my opinion, the people that should be really on campus are kids who actually have housing insecurity, who depend on housing to really survive. Like, honestly, like, those who have a house and who are able to live in their families, like, it's really selfish of you to be going off to college during these times. Like, if you can live at home and do your classes at home, just stay home. Commute, yeah, if you need to. If you need to. If you need to commute. I mean, if you have labs. Yeah, like, just stay home. Like, you know, like... You, they're just like I want the college experience so like you have no this This is not a college experience no, we're like this is not no I'm a senior in college now like if anything like I'm looking at my last school year of online like do you freshmen you have years hopefully things to get figured out hopefully but like you know as a senior like going to do a whole semester online like that's something that I never thought I'd be doing but I know I can't go on campus because, first off, I don't need to. Second off, it's expensive. And third off, I don't want to risk dying of COVID. I'm safe here being at home, doing the best I can. And I don't want my parents or family members to be stressed about what if I go back to campus, you know? So really people need to – students need to understand, like, if you don't need to go back to campus and all your classes are online, you have no reason to be on campus. International students do, and kids who need, who have housing security. Yeah, that's it. That's really my random thought. <laughs> All right, I guess that means it's time for my random thought. Yeah, take it away. I've talked enough. All right, so, I've, so, but I think a couple episodes ago, we decided to talk just in a, just the episode of random thoughts. Remember? Mm-hmm. So when I, I talked about Mike Tyson and Roy mm-hmm. Jones. 
fighting each other exhibition. So the so this it kind of has something to do with it. So that fight is no longer going to be next month. It is it got postponed to Thanksgiving time? Okay. But that fight might not happen anymore because Roy Jones is not a fan of the postponement for some reason. Mm. And I thought, like, like you know, I, I honestly thought, um, how about you just pull out of the fight, Roy, because you could get hurt and knocked that out logical? again. Right? Yeah, like, you're, you're 51. Mm-hmm. You don't need to fight anymore. It's, if you want to work out and, you know, do some work at the gym, that's fine. I don't see why you got to take punches from Mike mm-hmm. Tyson. I don't care if he's 54. He still hits like a heavyweight. He still punches hard. But anyway, so I want to bring that up because they were inspiring some retired boxers maybe to make a comeback, whether it be exhibition or pro. Well, the latter is, in, is about to happen because um, I don't even, we shouldn't even call him the golden boy anymore. He's not, he not a boy. He's a man. The golden grandfather. I mean, golden boy. The, the, gold, the golden grandpa. He's pretty old now. Former 11-time world champion, a former Olympic gold medalist. Yes, the golden boy. Oscar De La Hoya. Oh. At the age of 47, as reported by one of the, one of the best uh, boxing reporters out there, Steve Kim, Oscar De La Hoya confirmed he will be making a comeback. Now, originally people were thinking, like, yo, an exhibition, mm-hmm. like, Mike Tyson said, Roy Jones said, or former champions like Evander Holyfield said, no. No. Deloitte said he wants to actually make a real comeback. He wants to fight professionally again. He feels healthy. He feels great. He feels like he still has those hands. He knows that his skill set is better than a lot of fighters right now at the weight classes where he was winning at. He he feels that he can stand a good chance and, and be a champion again. And I thought, dude, you're 47. These champions are not 30 yet. So, like, some of them are barely old, older than 30 years old. The the oldest elite fighter, like the old only fighter who's old considered considered old and elite, is still my man Triple G. Triple G, sorry. And he was, <laughs> he was Triple G would still beat De La Hoya so easily right now. So the, I don't know how much Deloya weighs right now, but he said he wants to. He said in the next few weeks he's going to start a a training camp to see where he's at, and he's going to start sparring again to see how it feels for on his body. And I thought, yes, that it will tell you to stop because if you're going to take it seriously, you better get some youngsters fighting you. Mm-hmm. Not one of those guys that are going to take it easy on you or just basically. Gonna, basically working out with you no more no more sparring with mario lopez that's not that's not gonna help you fight again no no no. sparring against some young contenders sparring against some amateurs that are 18 19 20 spar against guys that actually fight because they'll tell you really quick you don't have reflexes anymore man you you're not 30 Mm -hmm. not 35 even you don't have the reflexes to move, I'm not trying to say like I'm not trying to bash on him because you know he he fought a lot of good fighters, mm-hmm. like he beat a lot of good fighters. You know, he lost some good fighters. He fought. Oscar De Loya fought in his day. He accomplished a lot. You're you're close to fifty now, and you don't gain reflexes when you get older. No. 
and it's, I'm thinking as a fighter, dude, you had a style where you've been in some tough fights. Mm-hmm. Your last fight was 12 years ago. Oh. And you, I, I understand that he, he was drained because he had a, he was his, in like the, the second half of his career, he was fighting at 154 pounds and at once 160 pounds. And he went back down to 147. Yeah. I think he, he, I think he believes that it was really cutting down to 147 again. Mm-hmm. That made him, that made him have a bad performance. Like, yeah, but you fought a fighter who should not be fighting at 147 because he's too small, and yet you got beat up and you you had your eye socket broken by Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao. Like that was your last fight, man. In your 30s, you're not gonna get better and feel more rejuvenated. Well, you can feel better and rejuvenated because maybe you weren't having, uh, you weren't having maybe the healthiest lifestyle. And you, if you say you feel better than ever, maybe you forgot how you felt in your twenties when you were just working out all the time. It's been a long time since those days, so you probably forgot what it feels like to be working out 365 days of the year. Oh boy! So no, don't make this comeback. He, and he also said he. He wants to see. He wants to make a comeback anywhere from 154 pounds to 160 pounds, and he thinks he can beat some of the champions out there. Uh, no, no, you're not. You're not. They're they're younger, they're faster. Not, not necessarily means their hand speed, which more likely also means their hand speed, because Deloitte had some fast hands. He had really fast hands. Even for his age, he has fast hands. But for his age, what about when the punches come back? Can you move out of the way? Do you have the cardio to fight 36 minutes? Not 36 minutes at a 47-year-old age. 36 minutes at the age of someone who's 30, 28, 31, 27 years old. Do you have that stamina anymore? Do you have, does your body, can your body withstand the punishment anymore? I don't think so. Scratch that, no. No, it's, and that's okay. I don't need to see him make a comeback. And honestly, I honestly think this is what it is. Because also the last, over the last year, year and a half, there has been a lot of tension between him and, and his, his golden boy, Canelo. I honestly think, I wonder, I'm just starting to wonder, do you want to fight Canelo to hash out all this beef? Like, you know what, man, we, we're not seeing eye to eye. The only way we're going to get through this is if we fight. We, we just hash it all out on the ring. Let me get in shape. Wow. Like, uh, this is only cool. I mean, you can't say... I mean, there are fighters that have wanted to fight their promoters. This is probably the first time I've ever heard of them. You can actually do that. So, Deloya, don't. For your health, just leave, leave, the ego at, leave the ego in the gym. Leave the ego with all the championship belts and your, and your whatever awards as like fight of the year or fighter of the year. Like, it's okay. You accomplished a lot. You're a successful promoter. If you want to fight again, do be like Julio Cesar Chavez. Chavez is fighting charity fights, exhibition fights, staying in shape. He's not actually going out there to fight again. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones are doing it for an exhibition, even though I still thought it was not a good idea. They're like, don't do it professionally. This is just going to get dangerous. That's it. That's all I had to say. Yeah, that's, 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. Also, yeah. Last, last, last point. Moral of the story: Just because you feel young again, doesn't necessarily mean you are young again. And so, a lot of people are wondering who is he gonna fight? Father Time. That's who he's father. That's who he's fighting. He's fighting Father Time, and he's gonna lose. All right. I'm done. I'm done. I don't need to rant about Deloya anymore. Right? I didn't even like looking back. I only. I wouldn't have been a fan of Deloya. And yet I'm here, like trying to advocate, like to, to protect them. <laughs> like, dude, I was, I would not have been a fan of you in your day. I would have rooted against you with some of the in your big fights. I did actually watch some of his old, some of his older big fights. And you, like, I'm here trying to, like, basically, hey man, let me reason with you. Let me, let me talk, let me talk to you for a minute. <laughs> let me talk, let me talk to you, you know, man to man, you know, compa to compa. Chat. Yeah, compa to compa. Come on. Like no, no. All right, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with the dead lawyer, right? I'm good. Well, yeah, that really wraps the end of our show. Um, we'll be back next week as it will be the final episode of the summer, and then um, we'll be back and you know after that. But we are gonna take a little you know break from that. But yeah, next week we'll conclude like our summer um you know edition of our episode, and yeah, because it's, we've been doing this like all summer. And yeah, I start school next week with online classes. So like, um, we'll do the last episode of the summer, and then we'll see how things go. Because I'm taking six classes and um, have the congressional internship, so I'll be busy. <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, you will. This has been yeah. fun. Yeah, I mean, it's been fun. And like, for those who are listening, and even though it's like a few of you, like kind of like fourteen people, but you know, we care. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it's been a good show. Um, we talked a lot about DMC today, um, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing the summer project with me. Yeah, but yeah, it's not our. It's not. This is not our last episode, so we'll do more of like a conclusion next 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 week. So, but yeah, uh, next week we'll come. We'll, we'll. I won't tell you what it is, but um, it'll be a fun episode. Yes, it will be. But yeah, but gracias, mi gente, for listening. And one thing I want to say is request your mail-in ballot if you're not going to vote in person. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks everybody for listening to us this summer. Hopefully, we gave you we gave you a good hour, hour and a half of your day. Yeah, gracias, mi gente, again. All right, gracias a todos, and goodbye, everybody.